Thank you, everybody, to listening to the Steve Jordan Experience. Today with me is Dr. Dasani, who is passionate about helping patients with sleep disorders, breathing, and getting the treatment they need to live a healthier and happier life. Welcome, Dr. Dasani, to the uh, to the Steve Jordan Experience. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Dr. Dasani, tell me, breathwork, we've had several people on this podcast uh, talking about breathwork. Um, you know, your background is in dentistry. Um, you have to do a little research. How did you get to becoming uh, an advocate uh, and teacher and you're changing your life purpose from dentistry to breathwork and everything beyond that would, falls within that scope of interest? So I am still a practicing dentist. I am a general dentist, um, but a huge, huge focus of my practice is helping patients with sleep disordered breathing, sleep apnea, um, adults, as well as children. Hmm. And uh, with anything that has a meaning or is a passion for any of us, I truly believe it comes from something that's impacted our lives, right? That's usually drives us into figuring out the how, the why, the what. Um, And for me, um, I I was born and raised in Mumbai, India, Hmm. went to dental school there and actually practiced there for six years um, before I met my husband. And or as my mom says, and then a boy happened. (laughs) (laughs) It's usually how it works. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And my husband lived here in, well, he actually lived in Pittsburgh, Um, got engaged, married, moved to the United States. And as a dentist, to be able to practice, I had to go through um, our process of, you know, going through dental school and um, getting licensed, basically. One of those involves taking our national boards, the dental exams. And I distinctly remember I was studying to take these entrance exams. Um, My husband worked 40 miles away and he'd left for the day. I'd woken up early. Now this was 19 years ago. So there was no FaceTime, no WhatsApp, no, you know, we used to have the dial up internet. You had to call home. You needed a calling card. Um, But I remember it was 5 a.m. and the phone rang. And anybody that's lived away from home knows late night or early morning phone calls when they're not scheduled usually means it's not good news. And sure enough, it was my mom to let us know that we'd lost my father-in-law, who was um, 54 years old. I'm sorry. And, um, you know, we're on our way home. Um, newlyweds, and I was a hot mess, hot mess, just crying. The airline put us together like, here, take care of your wife. And, um, but my husband was, he, he was just this strong, quiet person. And I remember turning to him and saying, you got to show some emotion. This is not healthy for you. And it still gives me goosebumps when I talk about this or even think about this. And he turned to me and he said, all the men in my family have died at 54. He'd lost his grandfather at that age. He'd lost an uncle at that age. Now his dad. So at some place in his mind, he had accepted the fact that 
that is what it was going to be. And I'm pretty sure they'd heard the whole, oh, it's genetics and it's just how, you know, whatever, the males in your family, how, whatever. And I refused to accept it. And I didn't say much at that time. I said, okay, let's get home. Let's get this figured out. So we went home in our culture, the morning period, the rituals last for 13 days. So while the rest of the family did what they had to do, I gathered up every single piece of everything I could find, medical records, and I went visited the doctors that he'd seen. Every doctor that was willing to meet me could meet me that I could find. Consistently, the answer that came back was sleep apnea. So right then and there, I knew And I'll be the first to admit, I was selfish. I did not ever want my family to go through this again. And I would make sure I'd do anything I could to find a way around this. As I got deeper into the study of treating sleep apnea, addressing it, screening for it, again, that entire intention is, because remember in dental school, this is not something we learn. My entire focus was my husband, my family. But what I quickly discovered is as I started to see patients, as I went deeper down this rabbit hole, my family grew because then it was my office manager's dad. Then it was the conversation with the patient that hated their CPAP. Then it was anybody that entered my orbit, my circle, my life. They were my family. And why would I not want to give them a better quality of life? Why would I not want those families to never go through what my family was going through? And that is what set me on my journey into treating sleep apnea and sleep disordered breathing in adults. Happily treating those patients, changing lives, getting people back in the bedroom because now your spouse isn't snoring, healthier patients. And we got to the point where I was doing it successfully and consistently to where other doctors, other friends would go, hey, can you teach me how to do it? Like, can I can I just come hang out at your office? Absolutely. Mind you, all this is in the realm of we're still doing dentistry. And so I'd have a friend and then another friend. Can my team come watch your team? Absolutely. To where we started to have other doctors ask, can you train me? Yes, we can. And while my office manager and I were looking at some of the slides where we were training docs and suddenly we both stopped and she turned to me and she said, Hey doc, do you think this is Avery? Avery was her then five, six year old daughter. And uh, I had seen her through pregnancy birth now. So I literally say she's my baby that she got to carry. Mm -hmm. Um, And sure enough, All the signs and symptoms that we were consistently addressing in adults, we were seeing in this child. Hmm. Super sweet kid. Had a, could not focus at school. Had a hard time getting along with her siblings. Little things that we never pay attention to because we love our children so much. They're perfect. But we know that there's something going on. And then that was a different rabbit hole I went down because now I have a child, again, my child, right, that I wanted to address. And once you see something, it's hard to unsee it, right? I talked to you about a yellow Mustang. Guess what? You step out and that's all you're going to see is a yellow Mustang. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly what happened. So that is how I then got into addressing sleep disordered breathing with children and Kids and adults, completely different. Yeah, they're stopping breathing. Yeah, it's affecting the flow of oxygen to the brain, how their bodies 
the uptake and totally different adults I can put in a box and then kids, five kids, seven symptoms, all could be positive. So it, it's been a journey and an interesting, a fun one for sure. Well, that's very interesting one. Uh, and, you know, we all sometimes have to go, as you mentioned, through a breakdown or an enlightenment uh, that gives us that aha moment, something that clearly speaks out to us, that pulls us into the direction that we live our lives. It's interesting. Um, you know, I, I've also have had several doctor, dentists on this podcast as well. And I've always, before I even interviewed anybody, believed that your mouth and have read your dentistry, your your oral hygiene is so important to your overall general health. At least say the, the eyes are the window to the soul. I believe that the mouth is the window to your health. And you can learn a lot from that. There's studies showing, you know, the effects of uh, oral hygiene to heart disease and, um, you know, cardiovascular disease, all over the different kinds of diseases that you can, you know, relate to that. So it, it doesn't surprise me because, you know, the part of sleep apnea, I'm uh, actually, there's a question uh, because I'm not hundred percent sure, but I would imagine comes from the throat. Yes. So there's various reasons. The most common one is obstruction. And mm-hmm. um, in adults, like I said, typically what we see is if you carry excess weight around your neck. Mm -hmm. Because when we fall asleep, the muscles of our throat, as do the rest of our body, relax. And when you're sleeping on your back, all those muscles fall back. Your tongue falls back, and then that is what causes that obstruction, preventing enough oxygen getting to your brain. You're basically stopping breathing. Hmm. So when you stop breathing, the cause of the the death of your family members and those that die of sleep apnea, what is the cause? Is it suffocating or is there stress on the heart? You have a heart attack or a combination? What does it all, what does it look like? So it could be one or all of the above. Um, So typically apnea means zero breath, right? You've completely stopped breathing. And like I said, the muscles of your throat relax, your tongue falls back, that creates that obstruction. And when that happens, there is no oxygen going in. And your heart goes, well, there's nothing really for me to do because there's no oxygenated, freshly oxygenated blood that I need to take around. At some point, your brain goes, "Uh, hello, wake up, I need oxygen. And now that heart has to pick itself up, pick that pace up to get that amount of oxygen to the brain. Now, let's think about this. When we are sleeping is when all the repair, the healing, the rejuvenation, um, all of that happens then. But what is happening in these patients, right? There's the constant stop and go, stop and go, stop and go for the heart. And it's actually working a little harder, isn't it? Mm -hmm. These are our patients that we then see with high blood pressure. These are our patients with AFib. These patients are at a higher risk for stroke. Um, these are also a lot of our patients that die in their sleep um, because the heart never really gets a chance to to heal itself. And what if that that signal from the brain never truly makes it to the heart on time? You know, it depends on how long that apnea event happens. Sometimes that signal doesn't doesn't just get there in time, mm-hmm. and the they don't ever catch up. Hmm. So. I'm sure there are a lot of people listening and or, you know, who are aware that they have sleep apnea or something there similar. What is the 
you know, there, there are several devices that you could wear, like masks and other type of breathing devices you could have in your bed that seem very cumbersome. And um, I've known several people that have had them. They, you know, say it takes getting used to or they rip them off their face. But um, is there any alternative way outside of that mask or breathing devices that you recommend? Right. So the CPAP, as you described, it is the gold mm-hmm. standard for treating sleep apnea. And a CPAP is nothing but a reverse vacuum, right? It is mm-hmm. blowing air into you through those masks, making sure that airway is open. But not everybody's able to tolerate it for numerous reasons, which is where um, your dental office can actually help you. Because what we can do is an oral appliance that helps reposition your jaw and keeps that airway open. It's moving that jaw taking the tongue with it, holding it out of the way, maintaining an open airway. Oh, interesting. And that is what helps patients get the quality of sleep because it's not unusual to have somebody come in that says, I slept for 10 hours and I feel terrible. I feel like I got hit by a truck, right? But it's because you're not getting quality sleep. So not mm-hmm. only does this, well, of course, allow you to get the hours of sleep, but it allows your brain, the oxygen, all of that healing to happen, the neurotransmitters to be replenished. And it's, it's by maintaining that patent airway. So this is in essence like a retainer. You wear it in your mouth and it opens your mouth and then allows for your, the, the structure of your mouth, including your tongue, to be placed in a position so you can breathe. Is it 100% effective or where's that lie? So it has a very good success rate. As to 100%, it depends on what your level of apnea is, right? How many times are you stopping breathing? For how long? How low is your oxygen dropping? These appliances are FDA approved for patients that are mild to moderate, with that have mild to moderate sleep apnea. That being said, and I always tell patients this, if, say for example, it's me, if I have severe sleep apnea, and I've been prescribed a CPAP, I know I have to use it, but good gosh, I just cannot use it for whatever reason. Am I not better off using an appliance that is going to give me a little bit more oxygen than no oxygen when I stop? Mm -hmm. So yes, the FDA approval is for mild to moderate, but any amount of oxygen is better than none if you're not going to use the CPAP Mm. able to use it. Is this a product that all dentists can prescribe or creates or develop for a patient? Um, It depends on the state that they practice in, but most states require um, some amount of training because, you know, it's not just something that, like I said, we don't get training for this in dental school. Mm -hmm. So we, they want to make sure that they're trained. It's not just the fact of making the device, right? That's you take modes and send it out to the lab. That's not all. Where does that that particular patient's jaw need to be positioned? What follow-ups are we going to have? How frequently do those follow-ups need to happen? So all of those little nuances is what they want to make sure are being Mm. addressed for patients. But to make a long story short, yes, they can as long as they have the training. Great. Um, Somebody with TMJ, uh, are they more prone to sleep apnea? Um, There is a connection. Um, Patients with TMJ, I find, tend to have what is known as upper airway resistance syndrome. Um, They're the ones that don't quite yet, again, this is not everybody, this 
is typically what we tend to see. Um, don't quite have full-blown sleep apnea, but are on their way there. Um, mm-hmm. For whatever reason, um, that's the correlation that I find. If I see a patient that has TMJ, I almost always want to look into, could this be something that they're leading up to? Got it. And what would be your recommendation to help someone outside of this device if they couldn't get it or it wasn't available to them? What could they do on their own, like as far as, you know, perhaps maybe losing weight, eating better, um, different types of lifestyle choices that they can make to help themselves if they have sleep apnea and or to prevent it? So uh, like you mentioned, losing weight is always a big one. If we can take all that off of your neck, that is definitely um, a big help. But we also have to remember, um, if you're tired, you have no motivation to work out. At least that's how I am, right? It's like, oh, just let me lay down and watch something. Um, When we are tired and don't get the quality of sleep, just think about it. Or even when we're jet lagged, right? This is like being jet lagged every single day of our life. Um, What do you reach for? I know what I reach for. I want a donut. I want a cupcake. I want the sugary sodas, things that I think will give me instant energy. So these are folks that are caught in that cycle. Yes, definitely um, trying to get more active, eating healthier um, is key. But I also tell patients that sleep hygiene is super, super important. Um, Making sure we're establishing consistent um, routines for bedtime. You know, try to go to bed at a certain time and wake up at a certain time. It resets your circadian rhythms. Um, Avoiding alcohol before bed, even though the misconception is that a drink is going to help me fall asleep faster, it does disrupt how you sleep. Hmm. So I always tell patients that alcohol consumption um, should be something that they want to make sure they're monitoring. Um, Alcohol also tends to depress the respiratory centers in our brain. So for somebody that might be stopping breathing, do we really want to take the chance where your brain might not wake up on time? Making sure we're addressing that. Um, Avoiding caffeine before bedtime. And we forget how many different ways caffeine sneaks into our foods and everyday what we eat, how we do things. So I typically tell patients, no caffeine after 3 p.m. Avoiding blue light at bedtime. What is the last thing most of us do? We're either reading the news, checking Facebook, Instagram, um, turning off those devices and no devices in bed. Because the blue light or even, even if you're reading a book on your phone, that blue light is going to block release of melatonin, which is our sleep hormone. We want to have release of melatonin so your body is able to fall asleep. Um, A hot bath before bed and keeping your room temperature at 68 degrees, that drop in temperature is again going to cause release of melatonin. Little things like this, avoiding spicy meals at night. um, Those are things that are going to keep you awake. Do help for sure. Awesome. Great suggestions. Um, where would you be able to recommend someone to find a practitioner dentist who has the, the ability to prescribe these devices or create these devices? I'm sure. Is there a website in particular that they can look at? Um, the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine, um, will have a list of providers that are certified through them. I would say, um, 
reach out to your dentist and see if that is something that they are trained in. More and more doctors are becoming aware um, or on board because at the end of the day, we want to help our patients. So Mm. the easiest thing I always tell folks is call your doc and ask them if this is something they could do for you. That's great. I love seeing how even now, you know, so many different practices, uh, you know, of the, of the past, you know, from doctors to now dentists and even, uh, you know, health fitness coaches like myself, we were all dabbling in, in bridging the gap between other areas that are so associated. Um, who would have thought 10 years ago, dentists would be getting into, you know, sleep and sleep apnea challenges people with that and being able to prescribe devices for them that help them through that. So it's really cool to see how the, the different modalities of medicine have been evolving, you know, with the times and what the needs are of today. Um, you know, but it's unfortunate still that the underlying cause always looking at root causes really poor health, you know, um, if we can really stab at that and get that fixed, we can probably fix 90% of the issues out there. So sure. Absolutely. 100%. So it's, uh, you know, it's really important if you're listening, it's not just about the device that is a, you know, for lack of better words, a crutch. It's a, it's a way to help, but really the underlying issue is the lifestyle choice. It's getting better sleep. Like Dr. Dasani had mentioned, you know, finding that rhythm of getting to bed on time, certain time and waking up at a certain time, turning off all those devices, uh, you know, really just winding down, and then eating really well-balanced meals that are going to keep your weight balanced. Exercise, of course, is really important. You know, we want to heal from the inside out. We don't want to just look for tools or devices that are going to mask or just put band-aids on things. We really need to get down to the root cause of it. So, Dr. Sani, thank you so much for sharing these insights. Um, you. you know, I, one more question. Uh, I is actually a little selfish. I sometimes snore. My wife will, you know, tell me in the morning. Um, you know, I'm healthy, I'm fit, I eat well, uh, I don't really, I don't drink often, uh, I drink coffee occasionally, but never after three, um, mm-hmm. I might go to bed on time, wake up on time. So I'm doing all the right things. Does snoring have anything to do with sleep apnea or, you know, the like, and if I snore, it's like once a week, you know, if that, so mm-hmm. what causes so, that? Snoring typically is the first time that something is wrong with that person's sleep. Um, It doesn't necessarily always mean that that person has sleep apnea, but it is a sign that I always tell people, it's not cute. It should not be ignored. Not cute in babies, not cute in anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is the first figure out why, what is causing that? Are you, sometimes it's like, Oh, I'm stuffy. I have, you know, allergies understood. If we're addressing Mm -hmm. that and it resolves, that's a different thing. But if it continues, if it's just consistent, then we know we need to get that assessed. It's not just our classic patient that um, we say suffers from sleep apnea is your adult overweight male, right? It's what I tell my patients, it's fat uncle Joe. But does this mean that um, a child or a slender, slim woman, or even a slender man um, is not going to possibly have it. There's just no way of us knowing until you get a sleep study. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it could just be that you have a narrow airway. It's it's just how it's physiologic. It's how your body's made. Maybe mm-hmm. you may not have any excess fat sitting around there. So knowing what it is that's causing it, is it a deviated septum? We don't know. So getting that screening, getting the assessment, getting that sleep study to see, is this what is contributing to it? Maybe I can fix it. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dr. Asani, for sharing your insights, your wisdom, and your education and passion and purpose. Um, my hope and wish and prayer is that your husband is 54 and has turned that genetic code into something more happy and light and, and full of life. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for yeah. having me. Yes, you're welcome. And thank you, everybody, to listening to the Steve Jordan Experience, another great episode with Dr. Dasani. Uh, go to the show notes to learn more about her and her practice and helping yourself to find ways to heal from the inside out if you have or think you have sleep apnea. Thank you for listening. Until next time, stay healthy and fit. Thank you for spending your time with me and my guest today on the Steve Jordan Experience. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, there are a few things that you can do. First, sharing is caring. So show your family and friends how much you care about them by sharing this podcast to encourage them to live their best life. Two, go to my website, stevejordan.com, to subscribe to my Get Fit community. Here, you will receive updates, news, and valuable information for ways for you to get more involved in the Steve Jordan experience. And finally, take a minute to please rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It helps me to continue to get outstanding guests to create an extraordinary listening experience for you. That's all, friends. Thanks for listening to the Steve Jordan Experience.